Thank you for that encouraging word this morning. I know I'm really encouraged by it. I hope everyone else here is together too. We lift up Philip uh, for the word he has today for us. And of course, all of our staff, volunteers, all the people that are working so hard, all the people here in the congregation that are giving so hard. Everybody's, uh, I think, maxed out, Lord. But we thank you that uh, you give us that energy. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit to fill us, to receive your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you brought your Bible, we're in Romans chapter 8. You already know we're living in a world of blame and condemnation. You can't get through a news program without seeing one group blaming another group. Political party condemns political party. The poor blame the rich. Athletes take a knee and blame everything. Criminals condemn the law. Rioters condemn and blame everyone else. And what impact is this having on everybody? Hate is now the theme of much of our society. It was Jesus who said the most important commandment is you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is love others as much as you love yourself. But what if we hate ourselves as society is trying to get us to do? What then? How can we love others if we hate ourselves? And here's how some people feel about themselves. One person said, why should I love myself? No one else does. Another says, I hate myself. I hate life. I hate the people around me. I don't know why. Another says, I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm worthless, I'm useless, depressed, I'm not okay. I want to die, I hate myself. Another says, does anyone else find it crazy that you can be so depressed and no one around you notices? Not your parents, your siblings, friends, teachers, classmates, no one. Like you can literally be on the verge of tears, drowning, and everyone is totally oblivious. And you know what some people decide to do as a result of this. New York Times recently had an article asking, is the pandemic sparking suicide? And in the Times it says, death feels closer, even well away from the front lines of emergency rooms and social isolation, which in pre-COVID times was often a sign of a mind turning in on itself. And they, they reference Matthew Nock, who's a psychology professor at Harvard. And Matthew says, there's not only an increase in anxiety, but the more important piece is social isolation. We've never had anything like this. We know social isolation is related to suicide. In fact, statistics say that suicide now is increased by 35% nationwide. What can help? The hopeless. Early in his life, Paul was driven to be a success. He had a come to Jesus meeting in Acts chapter 9, and then he realized how far from God he really was. And the Bible says for three days he was blind, he didn't eat or drink anything. And it was during that time 
that Paul took a, an inventory of his relationship to God. He concluded in Romans 7:24, what a miserable person I am. Another translation says, what an unhappy man I am. What a wretched man that I am. The message uh, version says, I've tried everything. Nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? But then he gave the solution for his misery. He says the answer is Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8 has been called the oasis in the desert. When we're not right with God, we don't have to stay in hopelessness. We can be set free from our past. We receive a forgiven present and we get an optimistic future. And when there's nowhere else to turn, turn to Jesus. So far in the book of Romans, Paul's been like some sort of a trial lawyer building a case. He's up until the eighth chapter, he's been laying out arguments, proving the guilt of all mankind, including himself. And chapter after chapter, he's building a case that everyone has sinned. And he said in Romans 3, verse 9, we've already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. As it is written, there's no one righteous, not even one. And you know how many fall short of the glory of God? All. Paul explains salvation in four ideas in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, and that's where we're at. And here's the four sections. Therefore, now, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The first word of Romans chapter 8 is therefore. And he's saying, therefore, since this is the situation we're in, what should we do? Therefore, summarizes the entire book of Romans right up to this very point. He's saying we're not saved by keeping God's laws. Therefore, what's our options when sin condemns us? Therefore, is a turning point from hopeless to hopeful. Therefore, connects the, the thing he just said before he said therefore, which is, oh, what a terrible predicament I'm in. Who will free me from my slavery to this deadly lower nature? Thank God. It's been done by Jesus Christ, our Lord. He has set me free, therefore. Jesus said in John 8, 36, therefore the Son makes you free, and you shall be free indeed. Romans 5, 1, therefore, since we've been made right with, in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. And therefore, since this is the case, we can fulfill the greatest two commandments in the Bible. We can love others and uh, we can love God. And because of this, because we're loved, we can love. This song says it pretty well. One minute. I am loved. I am loved. I can risk loving you for the
And we are loved. And the second word is now. Now is the time to turn to Jesus. Therefore, now we can tell our accuser to go to where we were headed. In 2 Corinthians 6, 2, God says, At the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Listen, now is God's acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. And this forgiveness wasn't available until Jesus came. The unsaved have judgment day waiting for them in the future. The saved have judgment day behind them. And you might remember at one time, Paul witnessed to a king named Agrippa. This was in Acts 26. And Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul said, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am. And you know, there's no record of Agrippa ever becoming a Christian. That offer had an expiration date. When a person expires, they're going to wish they could take God up on that offer. So when should we take God up on the offer? Now. And why should we accept Jesus now? Because Paul says we're guaranteed no condemnation. It's good news. Verse 1, if you belong to Christ Jesus, you won't be punished. See, Jesus got what we deserved. And you remember... Isaiah the prophet in chapter 53 saying, because of our sins, he was wounded, beaten because of the evil we did. We're healed by the punishment he suffered, made whole by the blows he received. But the Lord made the punishment fall on him, the punishment all of us deserved. Jesus took what we deserve so that he can give us what he earned. I've heard the story about a bee that a bee that flew through a car window. The father grabbed the bee because the child next to him was freaking out. The father held onto the bee for a moment and then released it and it flew around. The bee once again buzzed the child and worried the child. But the father says, the bee can't hurt you now. Look at my hand. I took the sting out of it. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 says, O death, where then is your victory? Where then your sting? For sin, the sting that causes death, will all be gone. The law which reveals our sins will no longer be our judge. How we thank God for all this. It is he who makes us victorious through Jesus Christ our Lord. And there's no condemnation for who? For those who belong to Jesus. Ephesians 1, 7 says, only by the blood of Christ we are set free. That is, our sins are forgiven. How great is the grace of God. 1 Peter 1, 18, God paid a ransom to save you from the impossible road to heaven. The ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver, as you very well know. But he paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. So if we belong to Jesus, there's no condemnation. And you know, when we sin, as Christians, God calls us back to him. And sometimes he lets bad things happen to us. It's not meant as punishment like you deserve it. 
but as discipline, saying, you've strayed from the road, I want you back. Hebrews 12, 6 says the Lord disciplines everyone he loves. He severely disciplines everyone he accepts as his child. God's discipline is always good for us, so we might share in his holiness. And God sometimes allows consequences to happen in the discipline process. He doesn't always protect us from the temporary consequences of our sins, but he does protect us from the eternal consequences of hell. Why would anyone want to stay in prison if they were offered a key? If a warden gave an inmate a pardon, what prisoner would choose to stay locked up? Well, God wants what's best for us, but Satan wants us to stay in prison with him, to spend eternity with him. We're in a self-made prison of unforgiveness, and especially now fear, anxiety, cynicism, addiction, and negative thoughts leading to negative actions. Novelist H.G. Wells says, I'm a historian, I'm not a believer. But this penniless preacher from Galilee is irresistibly the center of history. Napoleon Bonaparte said, I know men. I tell you that Jesus Christ is no mere man. And they knew of Jesus and who Jesus was, but they chose to stay in their self-made prison. Jesus not only came to save our souls, but to heal our brokenness. In fact, Jesus said it this way in Luke 4, 18, the Lord's Spirit has come to me. He's chosen me to tell the good news to the poor. The Lord has sent me to announce freedom for prisoners, to give sight to the blind, to free everyone who suffers. And we get to choose where we're gonna spend eternity. And if we broke into small groups, we could share with each other what kind of prison we would like to be released from in our own life. The Last Battle is the name of a book. It's the final book in a series called The Chronicles of Narnia, written by C.S. Lewis. In fact, we had a golden retriever that we named Narnia because of this series. And in this last book, there's a struggle for faith and spiritual darkness has filled the land, sort of like today. Narnia was at an end, but it was also at a beginning. Beasts, animals had overthrown the country of Narnia and a great lion named Aslan, a creator of Narnia, and C.S. Lewis later identifies him as Jesus. Aslan was there to save. Many dwarves were rescued by Aslan, but they refused to believe in him. And there's a dwarf named Griffel who says, I feel I've heard as much about Aslan as I want for the rest of my life. We've no more use for stories about Aslan. And the dwarves, the dwarves insisted they were still imprisoned by, by their enemies in this stable. And Aslan tried to convince them that they were free, but to no avail. They believed that Aslan wasn't really there. In fact, the dwarves says, don't take any notice. They won't take us in. And Aslan left and he explained to others, they won't let me help them. They've chosen cunning instead of belief. Their prison is only in their own mind, yet they are in that prison. So afraid of being taken in, they can't be taken out. And Lewis gave a commentary on this and he says, 
Just like dwarves, many are imprisoned in their own mind. They refuse the freedom of the gospel because they're so afraid of being taken in. Well, we can be free because of what Jesus has done for us. Martin Luther said, it's impossible for a man to be a Christian without having Christ. If he has Christ, he has at the same time all that is in Christ. What gives peace to the conscience is that by faith our sins are no more ours but Christ's upon whom God has laid them all. That on the other hand, all Christ's righteousness is ours to whom God has given it. Christ gives his righteousness if we will accept it. He gives us sinlessness that he imparts to us and that's a good deal for us. Galatians 3.26 says, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. In Romans 13, 14, Paul elaborates and says, Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. Do not obey the flesh and its desires. And the result will be no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus is offering us freedom. In verse 2, he says, because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The Holy Spirit living in us frees us from death and the power of sin. So would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Would you or evil of victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There's power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. I just might write a song about that. And what is the law of the Spirit? He says the law of the Spirit gives life and sets you free. In Romans chapter 8, the Holy Spirit is mentioned 22 separate times. But the Holy Spirit is only mentioned two times in chapters 1 through 7 of Romans. See, chapters 1 through 7 are filled with the alienation that a person is in before they come to Christ. But when Jesus came, he brought the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit sets us free. Jesus said in John 3, verse 5, Truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And this born of water might refer to baptism, because just a few verses later, it says Jesus was winning and baptizing more disciples than John. Titus 3, verse 5, He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth, new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. He washed away our sins. Reminds me of Acts 22, Verse 16, what are you waiting for now? Get up, be baptized, have your sins washed away as you call on his name. The Holy Spirit inside of us helps us to say no to sin, to leave that wretched life behind us. Romans 7, the previous chapter, is all about Paul trying to be good enough and failing every time. And he said there that the law is spiritual, but I'm unspiritual. I'm sold as a slave to sin. And right when we were spiritually bankrupt, Jesus gave us his spirit. And in chapter 8, 
it tells the benefits of the Holy Spirit. Verse 2, the Spirit gives us life and sets us free. Verse 6, the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Verse 9, if we have the Spirit, we belong to Christ. Verse 10, the Spirit gives us life. Verse 11, the Spirit will raise us from the dead. Verse 13, by the Spirit we put to death the misdeeds of the body. Verse 14, the Spirit makes us children of God. And verse 26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness and helps us to pray. And the list goes on. But we can have none of these things without the Spirit of God living in us. It's a game changer. And what does the Bible mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, the Bible says in Ephesians 5:17, don't act thoughtlessly. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts. Give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let me ask you, do you love to sing hymns and songs? And do you give thanks to God in the name of Jesus? That's the Holy Spirit living in and working in our life. Someone said all Christians have the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit doesn't have all Christians. See, living the Christian life is impossible without the Holy Spirit controlling us, but we have to give control over to that Holy Spirit. And the Bible says he can be quenched. He can be grieved and ignored and disobeyed. But when he is obeyed, the Holy Spirit leads us into a right relationship with God, which allows us to have a right relationship with men. And we can love the Lord and we can love others. The law of the Spirit has set me free from the law of sin and death. The law of Moses only defined what sin was. And someone gave this analogy and explained it, saying the law of gravity keeps an airplane on the ground, but the law of aerodynamics lifts that same airplane into the sky. The, whole, the Old Testament law held us down. The Holy Spirit lifts us heavenward. And that's why we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Everything else is just artificial happiness. A minister saw a lady in his church that was really happy, and he asked her why. She says, I think I found a scripture that allows me to divorce my husband. She said in Ephesians 4.22, it says, get rid of the old man of sin. <laughs> well, we should get rid of the old man of sin, but that's a person that lives inside of us. Anyone born of God refuses to practice sin. We've been born of God. Paul says in verse 3, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. God sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. In that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. So we have a lot to take away from this. What the law was unable to do, that is to make us right with God, Jesus did through his sacrifice and his gift of the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit living in us is like wind beneath our wings lifting us up. I'll end with these two scriptures. 
Psalm 145, verse 14 says, The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts all who are bowed down. Good news for today. And Isaiah 40, verse 29, He gives strength to the weary, increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Good news. Pray with me, please. Father in heaven, our time is short. The days are evil. And we need to take every opportunity to share hope and good news to those who have been told they are worthless and a problem. Father, people are committing suicide throughout the country. They're isolated in, in a self-quarantine. They're under house arrest and they, they have a key and Jesus holds another key. Use us to your glory to invite people to church, people to Jesus, and people to hope. Forgive us, Lord, through the sacrifice and love of Jesus. And now we can love you and love each other. Bless Sun City West Christian Church. Goodness, you have opened the floodgates of heaven on this church, and we're reaching so many through radio and Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and website, and it goes on and on. But we are your best advertisement. Bless us, Lord. Thank you for grace and mercy. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.